right, without further ado. Chris Ann Hall received her bachelor's degree in biochemistry from Blackburn College. And her Juris Doctor from the University of Florida. She served in the U.S. Army as a military intelligence cryptologic linguist. She was a prosecutor for the state of Florida for nearly a decade. Chris Ann also worked with a prominent national First Amendment law firm where she traveled the country defending Americans whose rights were violated by unlawful arrests and prosecutions. She has written six books on American history and the U.S. Constitution. Chris Ann is a regular consultant on numerous radio, podcasts, and television programs. Without further ado, Chris Ann Hall! Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. So happy to be here with you today. Um, all by myself, lonesome today. Sunny's in the background, sort of like snurdly on... Uh, the on Russia's show and gonna run through the background for us and keep me in check. If I weren't, if if Sunny did not literally live in this house, well, I mean she doesn't like. Well, when we're not here, she spends a night here. But uh, when we're here, she is here from the time we get up in the morning until after dinner. And if she was not here with me, uh, I don't think I could get my work done. I would be completely lost without you, Sunny. <laughs> it's beautiful. I feel like an anti-system. <laughs> well, we're learning. We're learning together. Hey, good news, guys. Uh, had a conversation with the film guy. I'm actually looking at my phone once again. And um, Steve, Steve Sorensen, is uh, our filmmaker from Viram Films, and he texts me and tells me that it will be very shortly now. And uh, I'm texting him right now. How long now, Steve? We are live on the air. <laughs> there we go. I have just texted Steve. How long now, Steve? We are live on the air. Everybody's ready, waiting, and willing. We are excited. Woot, woot. And I'm excited to be here with you. Guess what, guys? We have a special anniversary this month. A special anniversary. This is better than Labor Day, the communist holiday that comes up at the end of May. This is, or, or that's in September. September is the communist holiday of Labor Day. Uh, this is better than uh, whatever other holiday you have coming up soon. Well, this is better than that. We have an anniversary, not better than Memorial Day, obviously. So don't even put me there, right? But this this, this is a better holiday for me anyway, and I'm really excited about it. So let me share it with you. We'll put our screen up here. 
Remember, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook. I am on LinkedIn. And I think that's pretty much it since they kicked me off Twitter and I haven't bothered being on anywhere else. I've been on Parlor before it shut down, but it doesn't work anymore for me. So we're not doing Parlor. I'm not even going to try. It's not even worth my time. So until somebody come up with something better, you're not going to find me on Parlor. Here we go. 11 years ago this month, I was fired by the state of Florida, an, an, an elected official of the state of Florida, for teaching American history and the Constitution. And if you go to my, I am not on Twitter. It looks like I'm on Twitter, but I am not on Twitter. They don't let me post. They don't let me do anything. They don't even let me look at it anymore. So if you go to Facebook, if you go to Instagram, and if you go to LinkedIn later today, you will see the story of how Chris Ann Hall got fired for teaching American history and the Constitution. Sunny did a really awesome job with this. Uh, she made the story into different seven different, six different panels. So if you go to Instagram, then you can see all of this story. Why don't I just tell you the story? JC's not here to give me funny looks for telling you the story. So let me just tell you the story. 11 years ago this May, I was fired as an attorney for the state of Florida for teaching American history and the Constitution. Pretty crazy, right? I'd been inspired by the wisdom and virtue of our founders to teach local middle school students about the First Amendment. I also traveled on the weekends and evenings giving uh, in Florida, giving American history and Constitution lessons to grassroots and political groups. I didn't know at the time, but my boss was a radical leftist. After I did a local talk radio interview about how the Affordable Health Care Act was unconstitutional, I got a string of emails from my boss demanding that I cease and desist uh, teaching the Constitution to and associating with right-wing groups. Actually, I think he called them right-wing fringe groups. My boss also claimed that when I taught that the government demands limited government, I was committing an ethical conflict of interest because I worked for government. After explaining to my boss that I was teaching on my own time and not talking about my job, he said he didn't care that I had to quit my job if I was going to keep teaching those groups. Now, I didn't want to quit my job. This was the only job I ever wanted to have. And so after praying, my husband and I came to the conclusion that we only had one choice. I told my boss that he didn't give me my rights and I wasn't going to trade them for his paycheck. I refused to quit teaching and I refused to quit my job. So my boss fired me. My husband had just begun pastoring a brand new church and I and had no salary at the time. And we walked away from a solid salary to no income at all because we knew that our rights can't come from God. And if we didn't stand for our rights, our children 
would not be free. So 11 years ago, we chose to stand for God's gifts of, liber of our rights and liberties. We trusted that by standing for those rights, God would stand with us. For 11 years, we've been traveling all across America, teaching unrevised American history, uncompromised application of the Constitution, and the solutions to overreaching and out-of-control government. For seven of those years, we averaged 260 meetings in over 22 states every year. Not once has God left us without his provision or his blessing. As a matter of fact, we've been abundantly blessed by the fruit, of our, te by the fruit our teaching has brought forth. Through our teaching, we have seen thousands get educated and activated. Our teaching has inspired the formation of hundreds of groups across America. We have trained hundreds to run for office. We have taught the legislators of 11 states in session and the sheriffs, deputies, and peace officers of 49 states. We have taught high school, college, and military academies all across America the future of America. Although we had our fears in the beginning, we wouldn't change a thing. What one man or a group of people meant for evil, God designed for our good and the good of America. America is not lost. It's not too late to fix our political problems, but we must get educated, organized, and activated. When Americans are properly educated on their rights, their constitutions, and their duty and power to control government, we will have a healthy, happy, and prosperous America. We can help you have wisdom, knowledge, and courage. You need to be a defender of the future of America. Go to libertyfirstuniversity.com for that education. Go to chrisannhall.com for your daily dose of truth. And here we have it. In government and training on restoring America. So there you have it. The big anniversary for us 11 years ago. This month I was fired for teaching the Constitution. Um. We, uh, so to answer your question, AVH, there is something big coming, but this is so huge, by the way, uh, we are not at liberty to talk about it. It is coming, but it's not a next week coming. Okay. It is not an up and coming, but it is coming and nothing has happened. It is still coming. So this is probably something that's, that you're going to hear about in, by the end of this year, if not the beginning of next year, praying for the end of this year, but it is huge. It is coming. It is the solution to all our media problems. And I'm very excited about it. Very, very excited about it. So uh, don't forget, guys, hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. Ring the bell so you get the notifications. And so I'm glad to share that anniversary with you. Very excited to have you with us in that. So you guys have seen the really awesome news, right? So um, Governor DeSantis has signed an executive order today to end all the local emergencies in the state of Florida. He says, we're not in a state of emergency anymore, guys. No more state of emergency. 
So let's look at this. This I have, I actually have, uh, he signed an executive order, but he also signed a bill, Senate bill 2006, which is right here. Yep. Got that one. Senate bill 2006. Now, because this is like really small, there we go. We're not going to go through and read it today, but I did want you to see the Senate, the, the fact that this is Senate bill 2006, an act relating to emergency man management, amending uh, section 1190 Florida statute, authorizing the legislative budget commission to transfer funds to the emergency preparedness and response fund. See, most of the emergency authorization acts that you see, if you actually read them, really have everything to do with transferring funds for emergencies and not for shutting down businesses. So even the majority of the businesses that were shut down were done contrary to the Emergency uh, Management Act. So what we have now is Senate Bill 2006 that will... Uh, codify the executive order that DeSantis signed today. And we're going to look at Forbes.com because Forbes gives us sort of a little rundown of what the bill does. And so DeSantis signed a bill that will invalidate all local COVID-19 restrictions and orders as of July 1. So, if you think it's all over now, it's not actually all over now. Uh, hello from Can to Canada, from Florida. We got a Canadian in the house. Thank you, guys. You guys are getting run over by your government. Being involved in government in Canada is so important. To I mean, it's important everywhere, but you guys. Anyway, all right. So DeSantis signed a bill that will invalidate all local COVID-19 restrictions and orders as of July one as well as an executive order that immediately suspends the local emergency orders until the law takes effect. So right now, guys, if you think you have to wait till July 1, that's not true. You actually goes into effect immediately. Previously, just so you know, previously the executive orders left it to the individual localities, the state, the counties and the municipalities. This executive order says, nope, no more. We're done. Florida's open. Uh, so this takes effect immediately and will be codified in law on July 1st. Now, uh, this, this repeals all the local government mandates for mask orders too. But remember, this only applies to government mandates. Private businesses can still can still enforce private regulations to require masks. Uh, if you want to go the ADA route, have at it. I don't think it's a winner for you, but go for it. Uh, I don't believe the federal government through the ADA should be imposing any kind of laws on our private businesses. I don't think the federal government should be imposing laws on our private businesses, period. Oh, wait. I don't think the state of Florida should be imposing laws on our private businesses. But government agencies, government entities, hey, 
Your public schools, your government schools can no longer legally mandate masks in the state of Florida. So all the parents that were crazy about their kids having to wear masks in school, your school districts as of today can no longer mandate masks. Um, it will also limit future governors to restricting statewide orders to 42 days and empowers the state legislator to overrule orders set by the governor, which, hey, ding, 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 already had uh, the power to do that. Yes, yes, they did. Your legislators already have the authority to set aside orders of the governor that do not comply with the state constitution. That's called a check and balance restraint. Now, the airports are being controlled by the FAA and the federal government. So uh, it'll be interesting how that sort of plays out. Because remember, the airports are still running around talking about how the, um, uh, let's see, there's a federal law mandating masks. No, there is no federal law mandating masks. There is an executive order from the president telling the FAA that they must require masks. There's not even FA rule yet. There's not even time to have an FA regulation for this. So in reality, there is no law and the governor's executive order only controls the FAA, doesn't actually control the people and the FAA controls the airports because guess what? They are public private partnerships. Uh, Lynn says, I thought the governor's uh, cannot issue executive orders. Never said governors could not ex issue executive orders. What I said is governors cannot issue executive orders that act like law on the people. This executive order is dictating to the executive agencies in the state of Florida, no more, no more mask mandates, no more, uh, COVID restrictions, no more emergency. Remember, the state of emergency is something that is temporarily issued by the governor as the executive of the state. And now he's saying no more, no more. So <clears throat> there you have it, guys. There you have it. All done. Um, what's going to happen? You'll just have to see which businesses are going to enforce uh, mandate masks as a private uh, as a private business property, right? Oh, okay, Lynn. Yeah, no. Okay, so you didn't get that from me about the governor's executive orders. But I have talked about governor's executive orders, so I didn't know if somebody misunderstood me. But we'll have to see how many businesses mandate masks as far as private business rights. And when that happens, guys, that means you must take your pay your your wallet somewhere else. Go to the businesses that don't mandate masks and you and give them the portion of your wealth and your business and your prosperity. Even if you have to drive a little bit further, then guess what? No mask mandates. P.
period. Okay. No mask mandates, period. So, uh, we, we don't, you don't have to take them. You just go somewhere else and the city can't stop you from going into their, you know what this is too. When you're, you have your County commission meetings, your city council meetings and all of that, since there is no longer a state of emergency, there is no longer any restrictions they can impose upon you to participate and exercise your right as a citizen, as a constituent, as an employee of these people to participate in their meetings. We are no longer in a state of, of emergency, DeSantis said on Monday. People are going to be able to make decisions and they have the wherewithal to protect themselves with vaccines if they want. This executive order, by the way, and SB 2006 says that there are no, no passports, no vaccine passports allowed in the state of Florida. So um, Governor DeSantis out, uh, issued an ex executive order saying no passports in the state of Florida uh, back in April, but this now SB 2007 makes that a matter of law. So this is exciting. Let's see how many other states. Now, remember, it's only exciting because we didn't do what South Dakota did and never institute the state of emergency. So it's exciting. You know, what's, what's crazy is how exciting it is to have a portion of your liberty returned to you. I, 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 maybe I'm just cynical. You can call me ungrateful. I don't know. I just have a hard time getting really excited when people in government give us what is already ours. But I also understand the importance of encouraging those who represent us in doing the right thing. So I'm just going to simply say I'm excited that our Florida government has caught up with our inalienable rights. So now we can, we can go forward. And this is a really good, quite great question because this is actually something that I would like to see happen. Can, uh, oh, that's sorry. Wrong one. There we go. Can businesses sue the government for shutting down or restricting their businesses without just compensation? Uh, I, I don't see why not. There's no emergency provision within the Florida constitution to take private property without just compensation. So I would love to see some businesses come together and file an eminent domain case against the state of Florida for shutting down their businesses, shut it, file it against your County, file it against your city, file it against the, the governor, uh, and file it against the state because we have to stop this from ever happening again. We can't allow them to do this. And by the way, if anything ever happens again, I don't know if DeSantis will do this or not, but if anything ever happens like this again, we must be diligent to never shut down our businesses again, whether the governor wants us to or not. We have to know that it's our private property right. It's our, uh, our inherent right to run our property, to keep them open and not to be shut down like that. So, uh, let's see. 
all government, Matthew, is has an element of corruption in it. Oh, um, the Biden administration. This is very interesting. You see, for our states that are on the border, for our states that would be that are on the border, uh, I know you're not watching. You're not hearing about a border crisis anymore. You know, when Donald Trump was president, we were always hearing about a border crisis, um, but you're not hearing about the crisis anymore. So the crisis is still ongoing. It is a a terrible thing. Lots of problems. As a matter of fact, now we have the Biden administration redirecting funding that was approved for border control to other areas of government. Now, I want you to remember last week, we, uh, the Biden administration directed $311 million, I believe, to Guatemala. And I said, mark my words, they're going to say, we can't do fill in the blank because we don't have the funding. And when they say that, I want you to remember the money. Let's see. Let's see if I can, I can find this exactly. I think it was $311 million to, uh, you guys know. You probably get it faster and yep, there we go. I got it. 310, 310 million dollars to Central America last week, seven weeks ago. I'm sorry, seven days ago today. One week ago today, they unveil a new plan, the Biden administration, to send 310 million to Central American aid. And when this happened, I told you, mark my words, very soon, I didn't know it was going to be a week, very soon, you were going to hear from the Biden administration, we can't do fill in the blank because we need more money. And here we have the Biden administration taking money from border control to be used in other departments, in other projects within the federal government. I mean, seriously, can you, can you believe that? Not even a week, not even a week. I don't even know because it's not been, how, how long guys? How long are we going to tolerate this? Yeah, right, Laura, shocker. This is my shocked face. Because I told you it was going to happen. I'm just, the shocking part is that it only took a week. That, you know, whatever. You guys are in the chat room talking about how Bill and Belinda Gates are getting divorced. Come on, guys, don't get distracted by that. There's so many other things happening in America that really affect your life. And if you think that somehow Bill Gates' wife, Belinda Gates, is going to spill the beans, you have no idea what happens in these divorce cases, okay? She's going to be under a gag order. She's not going to say anything at all. 
So you guys know that um, Rudy Giuliani's home was raided by the FBI. And what's crazy is they used this thing called the um, U.S. Foreign Agents Registration Act. Now, this U.S. Foreign Agents Reserve, uh, what did I say? Registration Act is one of these catch-all laws that actually is designed sort of like RICO uh, or civil asset forfeiture kingpin laws, right? So these are this kind of laws that are written to overcome to to overturn the rights of the people without any due process at all. It's amazing how these rights, how these laws are actually written to circumvent the rights and liberties of the people. And so the Foreign Agents Registration Act, created in 1938, imagine that. If you knew what was going on with the FBI around that time, you wouldn't be surprised about this either requires certain, quote, agents of foreign principles who are engaged in political activities or other activities specified under the statute to make periodic public disclosures of their relationship with foreign principle, with the foreign principle, as well as activities, receipts, disbursements in support of those activities. Judy, uh, Rudy Giuliani is an attorney. So attorneys have attorney-client privilege. Not only that, you have an act, the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which is designed to give the foreign government, uh, to give the federal government an avenue into your finances, into your private communications, and into your life simply because of your associations. Now, you can't claim that Rudy Giuliani, acting as an attorney, is, going, is engaging in political activity. And even if the activity as an attorney is covered under this Foreign Agents Registration Act, then there has to be some attorney-client privilege in there. So what happened was, the FBI was secretly spying on Rudy Giuliani's iCloud account while he was messaging the president of the United States. Now, why is this nuts? Okay. Why is this nuts? This is nuts because number one, why would they spy on Rudy Giuliani? secretly. I'm going to tell you how this works, guys. Donald Trump, being president of the United States, had to sign waivers of his rights to privacy. Everybody who gets a security clearance signs a waiver of their right to privacy. And as president of the United States, there's no telling what waivers he had to sign. 
So if they were, they were wanting to have the conversation between Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani, why would they have to secretly spy on Rudy Giuliani instead of spying on Trump, which they were already doing, which they had a legal hand, uh, foothold to do that because Trump is the president of the United States and has security clearance. So this whole thing is absolutely fishy from the get-go. The use of the Foreign Agents Registration Act is, is merely a color of law to give the federal government a false authority to circumvent the rights of private citizens. And because of this secret spying now, they're going to search Rudy Giuliani's home with a warrant. Now, I suspect, I haven't seen the warrant, but I suspect it's a FISA warrant, especially if they're operating under evidence of the Foreign Agents Registration Act. So the FISA warrants do not comply with the Fourth Amendment. Remember, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. No warrant shall issue, but based upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, particularly describing the place to be searched or the persons or things to be seized. There are five elements that are necessary for a proper warrant under the Fourth Amendment. Rudy Giuliani being a citizen, a private citizen, is to be secure in his person's, person's papers, houses, and effects, all of his stuff, with the security of only a proper warrant being issued. Now, the first judge refused the warrant. So I imagine they just went judicial shopping until they found a judge that would do it. And I'm going to put my neck out there and say it's probably a FISA warrant, which means all five elements warrant based upon probable cause. FISA warrants don't require probable cause. They require secret suspicion. Secret suspicion because you don't have to be, you don't have to say under oath or anything like that, right? So no probable cause, no oath or affirmation because Rudy Giuliani cannot challenge this warrant in a court because it's a secret court. There's no due process in a secret court. The next question will be, did it particularly list the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized? But the bottom line is the lack of probable cause all by itself violates the warrant. Yeah, I know. I know what the Supreme Court says. I know what the federal government says. But our judiciary has destroyed the Fourth Amendment with their, their judicial revision of the rights of the people compared to the necessity of government. See, our judiciary, our Supreme Court over the years has developed a criteria, little standards that they've set for themselves, that the Supreme, that the Constitution is not the supreme law of the land. Now, the federal government doesn't believe the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. And the, the courts, the Supreme Court does not know that the Constitution is supreme law of the land. What they believe is that national security is the supreme law of the land. Absolutely, they believe that. Because they'll tell you that national security trumps your rights. And what they're saying is, is that national security is actually higher than the Constitution itself. 
So our judiciary, our Supreme Court believes that national security is the supreme law of the land and the constitution and the rights of the people are subject to it. I don't even know what Giuliani did. It's not, it's not even before the people. What Giuliani did is, is merely a suspicion at this point. It's irrelevant what they accuse Rudy Giuliani of doing. The accusation will not, should not, cannot legally justify setting aside the rights of Rudy Giuliani. So anybody who comes to you and says, well, you know, maybe Rudy Giuliani was selling secrets to the, the Ukrainians and maybe Rudy Giuliani was committing treason. You know what? then he deserves due process for a charge of treason. He is entitled to due process for any charge that comes against him. He is entitled to not only due process for any charge, if he's charged with treason, which is a capital crime, he is entitled to a grand jury to bring charges against Rudy Giuliani. Uh, just Tara, yes, the no mask rule would apply to Florida public colleges and it is effective immediately. So there you have it. So the bottom line is, if Rudy Giuliani is not entitled to the due process of his rights, then neither are you and neither are your children or your grandchildren. So you can think he's a bad guy, but you need to go look at that. Um, go watch the movie um, Hoodwinked. <laughs> go watch the movie Hoodwinked. Uh, we don't arrest people for being dirtbags. So um, being a dirtbag is not a crime. So if you're going to charge anyone with a crime, then they are entitled to due process. I mean, I think Chris Christie's a dirtbag, um, but I still think that he deserves due process in whatever we're going to, whatever he would be charged with. Um, you know, there's a lot of dirtbags out there, but they all deserve their right to due process um, because guess what? Those who will preserve their own rights will ensure that the rights of their enemies are secure because the laws and regulations that you apply on your enemy will come back to you. I actually, I actually, that's actually a Thomas Paine quote. So let me go ahead and I'll pull that up for you so you can see it. Maybe you could help quote it to your statist friends out there. And we'll, we'll, that way, you know, it's not just, hey, did you know that Chris Ann Hall um, said that we needed to protect our enemies' rights? Who's Chris Ann Hall? Why do we even worry about Chris Ann Hall? Well, it is actually a biblical principle. I'll explain that to you as soon as we get it up here. But, you know, maybe Thomas Paine will have a little bit more credibility than I will. Uh, so I'll go ahead and show you what Thomas Paine said. And then for you Christians out there, I'll explain to you why it is a biblical principle. 
what Thomas Paine is, is saying right here. There it is. All right. The avidity to punish is always dangerous to liberty. It leads avidity. That means a strong, passionate propensity. A strong, passionate propensity to punish is always dangerous to liberty. It leads men to stretch, to misinterpret, and to misapply even the best of laws. He that would make his own liberty secure must guard even his enemy from oppression. For if he violates this duty, he establishes a precedent that will reach unto himself. So, um, yes, this is why I believe that Rudy Giuliani deserves full protection of due process. And that's exactly what our founders believe too, which is why they established due process as the standard for government. But it is a biblical principle, by the way. And those of you who are uh, sort of um, listening to the Bible or reading the Bible, I only have to say one word to you, and that is Haman. The biblical principle is, remember, Haman built the gallows to hang Mordecai because he was jealous of Mordecai. He didn't like Mordecai and his family, and he wanted him to die. So Haman developed this plan to get the king, the uh, Xerxes, against Mordecai, and built the gallows to hang Mordecai. And at the end of the story, Xerxes ordered Mordecai or to be ordered Haman to be hung on his own gallows. And that's what it means. So he that would make his liberty secure must guard him in his enemy, enemy from oppression. For if he violates this duty, he establishes a precedent that will reach unto himself. Be careful of the gallows you create for Rudy Giuliani because they will be the gallows that will get you. And you know what else? Um, maybe you don't care. The bottom line is your children's future depends on whether or not you will have, uh, you will have protected liberty today. Uh, I got this question as an email, actually. And I thought it would be interesting to, to, to do this question on the air. So if you'll let me read this question really quick. There is so much knowledge and lack of understanding of the federal government's constitutional limits. My question is, if we stripped the federal government down to its actual responsibilities... What would that look like? What would departments, what departments would be gone and how much in taxes would be retained by the people and the state? Well, let me show you something. I'm going to show you um, an excerpt from James Madison's Federalist 45. Okay. So James Madison's Federalist 45 gives the description 
of the pop, proper delegated power to the federal government. And so if you want to know this, I'll just go ahead and I'll write it in here. Isn't that a great question? I thought it was a great question too. So the answer comes from Federalist 45. Not because I believe that Federalist 45 was the decisive answer for all Constitution questions. I don't think the Federalists had all the answers. Because remember, the Federalists, the Federalist Papers were only half of the discussion. The other half is the um, Anti-Federalists. So you have to actually take both sides. But the reason that Federalist 45 is so authoritative is because it answers the final question in the minds, and I mean the final question in the minds of those who were holding out on signing the Constitution. Now, remember, there are going to be some, like George Mason, I'm like, I ain't signing this. Y'all can take a flying leap. But those who finally came on board to sign the Constitution came on board because... Thomas, because James Madison explained that there is a distinct separation of powers between the state and the federal government and that the federal government's powers are limited and defined. Let me go ahead and get this other one up here for you. All right. So this is Federalist 45, James Madison. The powers delegated by the proposed constitution to the federal government are few and defined. So we, we put them in a box. Those which are to remain in the state governments are numerous and indefinite. The former will be exercised principally on external objects, war, peace, negotiation, and foreign commerce. Okay? So... This is something I want you to understand because, let's see, there we go. Sorry, give me just one second. Enlarged my screen. There we go. Ah, it went away. I'm trying to do this for you guys, and it's not helping me. Um, all right. I'm just going to have to do it the hard way. So there is a distinct separation of powers. The powers to the federal government are few and defined. Those which remain in the state governments are numerous and indefinite. So we have to then wonder what powers are delegated and what powers are to the federal government and which powers are reserved to the states, which remain in the states. Now, remember, the question is, if we stripped the federal government down to its actual responsibilities, what would it look like and what departments would be gone and how much in taxes would be retained by the people and the states? So let me show you this. Um, I'm going to do something. There we go. I have to fix this slide for you. So I can get rid of these things. There we go. Woohoo! I did that. So I did that. <laughs> what power is going where? Madison says 
The powers reserved to the several states will extend to all the objects which in the ordinary course of affairs concerns the lives, liberties, properties of the people, and the internal order, improvement, and prosperity of the state. Now, I want you to remember what Madison said about the powers of the federal government. They are external objects, war, peace, negotiation, and foreign commerce. He then says that the powers of the, that remain in the state governments are everything else. If they are not enumerated and delegated, then they are reserved to the states. Everything that involves the internal operation of the state the ordinary course of affairs, the lives, the liberties, the properties of the people, the internal order, improvement, and prosperity of the state. So let me ask you this question. Where does that leave the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Interior, the Department of Agriculture, and the FAA for domestic flights. Those would fall into the internal order, improvement, and prosperity of the state, the ordinary course of affairs. The FBI would only have jurisdiction in Washington, D.C., and on federal territories, U.S. territories, and federal land. The Department of Homeland Security would have the same jurisdiction as the FBI, Washington, D.C., U.S. territories, federal land. The Department of Interior would have no authority on the interior of the states. The Department of Agriculture, no authority on the interior of the states. The FAA, no authority on domestic flights to the states. The EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, no, no authority. The FDA, no, no authority in the states. The Bureau of Land Management, no, no authority in the states. Department of Education, no, no authority in the states. Health and Human Services, no authority in the states. The USDA, no authority in the states. The ATF, no authority in the states. So when you ask me, and, and the question again, is if we stripped the federal government down to its actual responsibilities, what would it look like? It would look like Let's see. It would look like Border Patrol. It would look like um, enough of these agencies that would only operate in Washington, D.C., U.S. territories, and federal land. It would look like 
Um, I don't know, much smaller. Let me show you something really quick. This is crazy. I don't know why this website, this is a federal government website. So let me show up this federal government website for you, right? You're, this is going to blow your mind. This is, let me see if I can make this bigger for you. Yeah, that's better, isn't it? There we go. These, this is a list of U.S. executive branch websites. So I don't have like fiscal numbers for you because the question is how much in taxes would be retained by the people? 99% of these agencies, these are all executive branch agencies paid for with your tax dollars. I want, I'm going to keep scrolling because you need to see how many there are. 99% of these agencies would be completely gone or would be so small that their footprint on America's tax base would be non-existent. Look at this. Boards, commissions, committees, independent agencies. Did you know that the CIA is considered an independent agency? Independent of what? They operate outside the government. How do you fund something with tax dollars that is classified as an independent agency? You don't know anything about, um, let's go back down here, independent agency. Uh, Broadcasting Board of Governors, The Voice of America, this is where all your newswire comes from now. This independent agency paid for with your tax dollars uh, now under the uh, guise of the, the Smith Modernization Act, which allows your tax dollars to fund the Board of Broadcasting Governors to create newswires, news reports, and uh, propaganda that will be used on the American people right here, your tax dollars funding propaganda. And so the question is, look at all these agencies. There'd be no forest service because there's no authority in the federal government to own forests. There'd be no agricultural research service. There'd be no plant health inspection service, no farm service, no forest surges service. There'd be no department of agriculture. I'll just say we're going to get rid of the Department of Agriculture because the only place the Department of Agriculture would have any jurisdiction is in U.S. territories, and we probably ought to let them manage their own agriculture. The Department of Commerce would be so small because its only job would be foreign commerce and interstate, encouraging interstate commerce not controlling it. There'd be no National Weather Service, no Telecommunications Information Service, Technical Information Service, no, well, Ocean Service could be considered foreign as long as it's not like scientific research. Um, the Department of Defense would exist, yep. There'd be no Department of Education, no Department of Energy, 
No Department of Health and Human Services, if we whittled the federal government down to where it's supposed to be. The Department of Homeland Security would be incredibly small. Um, secret Service. Why would we need a secret service in the Department of Homeland Security? Oh, Department of Housing and Urban Development, gone in a constitutionally operating government. Department of Interior, even its name is unconstitutional, gone with a properly co operating constitutional government. Department of Justice, okay, no ATF, no DEA. There would be an FBI who had jurisdiction in Washington, D.C., federal land and uh, U.S. territories. And if there was a federal crime, which most our federal crimes are unconstitutional because they escape the boundaries of the federal uh, delegation of power, we've not delegated the authority of the federal government to investigate all murder cases. So it would be very, very small. And the FBI would only operate with the permission of the sheriff. Uh, the Office of Justice Programs, what in the heck is that? What, what is that? That would be gone. Department of Labor, gone under a constitutional government. Department of State, uh, only if they're going to be helping to enforce the uniform rule of naturalization, which would shrink down their presence to practically nothing. Uh, Department of Transportation, shrunk down to practically nothing. Department of Treasury. Yeah, so all of these taxes gone if we have a constitutional agency, a constitutionally running federal government. You can wipe out all the independent agencies and their funding under a constitutionally created federal government. You, cannot, you can get rid of boards, commissions, and committees. And you can get of, look at this, we even have a category of quasi-official agencies. Somebody explain to me, what the heck that means? Quasi-official agencies. I don't even know. That doesn't even make any sense. None whatsoever. So if we shrunk the federal government down to something that was compliant to the Constitution, our prosperity in America would be untouchable around the world. It is the massive overgrowth of the federal government that makes, uh, that, that makes America poorer than she needs to be. It is the massive overgrowth of the federal government that keeps America at war, keeps America stunted in growth, advancement, prosperity. It is the vast and offensive overgrowth of the federal government that keeps America stagnant. So I loved that question. I thought it was very articulately worded and, and I wanted to say that to you. Uh, give you the answer to that question because the answer ought to be very encouraging to you. Now you know where the problem is. The problem is in the House of Representatives. Because you see, the House of Representatives is the one who funds all of this. And so we, the people, who are the direct control of the House of Representatives, 
need to get our employees under control so that we can get our government back down to size. It would also help to elect a president who understood what I just taught you. So a president by executive order and refusal to spend the money could shrink these things. Donald Trump started to shrink the federal government, but I don't think he had a real grasp on just how overreaching the federal government really is. Um, I don't know if he was ready or prepared for that information. I doubt that he even had people in, uh, in his advisors that would be uh, able to give him that information. But Donald Trump is really one of the first presidents I've seen in a very long time who actually started shrinking the size, although it was not negligible, you know, it was pretty negligible, but the effort was, was well appreciated and recognized, by the way. Uh, so one last thing before we go, I wanted to share with you um, just a little shout out to somebody who is working to promote the message of our, uh, on here on our show. So we don't have a Liberty First presence on TikTok, but this person, Save America 2020, best 1968, is, uh, describes herself as a, um, realtor lead vocals for world of hate band and she has a youtube channel as well um she has uh i don't know why this because i don't have a tiktok account it won't show me how many people are following her she has just as many followers she's like hundreds of thousands of followers look at what she's doing she's sharing our videos here's two videos she has shared a short segment of them on tiktok and she does part one and part two here's where she did seven parts of our show that talk about the vaccination letters that I'm helping people uh, with when their government agencies, their colleges are mandating the COVID vaccination that's not yet approved by the FDA. She even made her own video to help people know how to go to my website to get that help. She helps a lot of people. So you see Michael Bolden in here a lot. Um, there's Michael Bolden, our friends at the 10th Amendment Center. Here she is sharing a segment of the non-compliance movie trailer. And so I just wanted to take a moment to tell Save America 2020, thank you for sharing. Um, a lot of people, a lot more people were informed about that letter that we have for them than where we were able to reach through Facebook, through YouTube, through um, Twitch and all our other formats. So what we're, uh, what we're doing is trying to reach people. And the point that I was trying to make is you expand our reach. And we appreciate it when you share what we give you. And we want you to share it. I'm not going to go after Save America 2022 because she shared our 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 uh, our work. We don't do that. Uh, let's see, Charlotte. Our letters. Will your letters work for children who've been forced to take the shot to attend school? Uh, yes. If your school is a government school, if your school accepts federal funding, then yes, your children 
should never be mandated to take the vaccination. Uh, yeah, we are on Twitch. We have Twitch people watching right now. Uh, thank you. We had a very super session today, didn't we? This was a very teach show session, and I'm glad to have been able to bring this to you. But thanks again for everything that you guys do to make us real, to expand our reach, and to uh, give us a bigger platform than we could ever, ever imagine. So it is time for us to go. So I have to say goodbye, but we will see you tomorrow. God bless.